you're almost creating this artificial challenge. Like, do these things have to exist? Probably not. But by putting your brain right. in that, like, in those handcuffs, in brain cuffs, mm -hmm. it, <laughs> it kind of just forces you to think of something in a different, or view it in a different light. Put that content down. Content. For closes only. What's your name? Content. That's my name. <laughs> you know why, mister? Because you drove a Hyundai to get here tonight. I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name. Content is for closers. Hello and welcome back to Content is for Closers. Today we're going to talk about creative constraint. And when you think about constraints, our initial reaction is typically one against that idea. We want freedom, freedom to think, freedom to act, freedom to create. But unlimited freedom isn't always the best thing for us. In fact, unlimited freedom creates worse uh, environments sometimes than healthy constraints would have otherwise. Think of when you were a kid and your parents made you go to bed at a certain time. That constraint gave you the sleep you needed, which kept you from being miserable the next day. Or the constraints that come from a particularly limited upbringing or history. For instance, if you might have grown out without any money or opportunity, but the constraint of that environment caused you to become more creative and productive as a result. When you learn how to create under constraint, you learn how to exist in the real world. You learn how to innovate and think and negotiate and act in a way that helps you operate inside of the constraint. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Without further ado, here's my co-host Carlton Riffle on Thriving Under Creative Restraint. Carlton, hello. Welcome to the podcast. That was quite the monologue, Adam. As something I, was, I thought we'd try out. Yeah, yeah that was good. Gets it up a little bit. I feel like in the spirit of this episode that we are going to do this episode with our eyes closed just to try to try something different. Wow. <laughs> I feel like our, our talent and lack thereof, also our proximity to one another, like we, we live under that just making this is that's, that's a low blow right there. Itself. Just your, <laughs> your, your true. constraint is your lack of talent. <laughs> it's how bad you are. Yeah. Yeah. First thing I just, you know, there's so many different directions we could go with this. I think this is a great topic because most people think that creativity is actually a lack of something. Like that's our, that's our initial thought. We think I can't be creative because I don't have the idea. And really, sometimes what you have to do is you have to take handcuffs and put them on yourself and actually make it harder for yourself to come up with something. And in doing so, you're going to make it easier on yourself to come up with yeah. ideas. I think we've got some structure here, but we can kind of just go back and forth. Yeah, I would be curious, like, what are some of the handcuffs that come to mind that you as a creator have encountered or that you've seen other people encounter? When it comes to content specifically. Yeah, it's especially if you're like me and you sometimes procrastinate. Um, I think time can become one of those big constraints. We don't necessarily think of it as a constraint. We think of it as a deadline. But that's really like if we had all year to come up with an idea, sometimes I don't know that we'd come up with a better idea. We might come up with more ideas or we might come up with a different idea that, that's maybe more involved. But sometimes that constraint of having a deadline and just saying it's going to be done by, by this date that just forces us to come up with something. That's kind of like your most traditional one that everyone has to operate inside of, right? Okay, so like if you have a, if you have a job and you have a deadline, that's obvious. Yeah. But like what's a realistic way? You've done this, I feel like, a million different ways. You've, you've attacked this. What's something that you found that's worked when it comes to time constraint? Like I think you've tried Pomodoro yeah. at certain yeah. times. And any of those? Yeah, so Pomodoro specifically is like 30-minute increments, right? And, and so I don't know why 
it is because it means tomato and i think in italian is that true yeah it's like you know the tomato <laughs> timers have you ever seen that maybe that's why i have no clue and somebody else fill us in if we're wrong but i i do think that there is something to giving yourself artificial deadlines and then like we've talked about this before like saying it publicly right like saying i'm gonna have this by x date and kind of help hold me accountable right so i think that's one one part of it the other part of it is like if you take what you have to do, and you break it into little pieces. And each of those pieces can kind of represent a day or an hour. And you find a way to, to essentially set those deadlines so that there are more time-based deadlines for each of those little pieces. That can be another way that you, you, know, that you can get things done with, with having a little bit of accountability. Because that's the one that everyone kind of has. Like, we're going to launch this podcast episode next week, right? It's, it's a reoccurring deadline that happens on a weekly basis. But I think you can also go a lot of different directions. And I think that's where we want to spend most of our time is talking about like, how can our format of content or how can some of the things that we choose and maybe even the audience doesn't even know about, like they might be totally clueless as to the constraints. Let's throw some of them. Like if you compare this to poetry, iambic pentameter, that's a constraint. People choose to- Explain that. Explain that for the non- non If you did not have a liberal arts education. Yeah. Yeah. I, unfortunately, I don't have a good enough memory to like quote something in iambic pentameter, but it's like kind of that rhythmic. Yeah, I should have prepared that a little better. <laughs> Close. Yeah, I just start sh- quoting Shakespeare. Yeah. Haiku. That's another one. People will write in a haiku. And by giving yourself that creative constraint, you're essentially making uh, the format, you know, something that you're choosing ahead of time. It might be kind of arbitrary, but you're going to say that I'm going to stick with this. So I think in content, you can find ways to pick topics or you're going to say in this specific episode or in this specific video clip, I'm going to talk about a success story that we've had. The moment that you make that decision, then you've created a constraint for yourself. You, yeah. The game is smaller now that you can actually like look around that room and, and have some, some sort of objective to go back to. Yeah, real quick on the on the rhythm thing and on the constraint of that timing, I have to just I was we were with some friends a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about our different like religious backgrounds and upbringings. Yeah. And one of the girls said, oh, well, I grew up in a very legalistic home. And I was like, oh, really? Tell me about that. A classic Andrew Warner question. Tell me about that. The things that she described to me were not super legalistic. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. And she was like, what about you? And I was like, well, you know, I grew up in the, yeah, like very conservative. Blah, blah, blah. For instance, like, you, you know, syncopation was a problem. And I'm sure, and they were like, whoa, the whole room stopped. And they're like, what is syncopation? What are you talking about? I was like, you guys know, like the second and the fourth beat and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, no, no. We've never heard of any of this. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, I forgot how small that world yeah. is. But anyway. But I am pentameter was totally okay. That's right. That's right. And, uh, and downstreaming without upstreaming. Anyway, I knew you'd appreciate that. Yeah, but well, well, you know, I think one of the first times that I was confronted with this as an actual idea was when I was in school. Essentially, I was a comic artist for a newspaper. And that newspaper had some creative constraints. And one of those creative constraints was that it had to be approved that the content of this probably true of every yeah comic newspaper to some degree to some degree yeah. you couldn't just have like all out craziness well i was kind of infamous for coming up with cartoons that would not pass that approval process right <laughs> and right. so there was a time at which i sat down with the editor in charge and just had a very frank discussion saying like look i'm coming up with these ideas i think they're hilarious 
but apparently they're crossing some sort of line. Mm. And the editor told me, they said, sometimes that creative constraint can help you become more creative instead of less creative. Uh And Mm. while I didn't appreciate the fact that I had to read some of these cartoons, I did take that lesson and take that application and, and really think about that when it came to other things in life, like art or things that I was even doing that were outside of the visual creative realm. Because when you do place yourself under that, our tendency is to look at it and hate it instead of looking at it yep. as an opportunity. Dude, I, I mean, as a consumer, and, you know, obviously a lot of this is, is, is we're right now tying it to like, you know, whether it be rules or regulations or more. But I think even outside of that realm, when you look at comedy, like I'm a huge, huge fan of comedy. Kevin Hart, like young Kevin Hart, I really enjoyed his stand up pieces and his monologues and things like that. And then there came a point where he just, regardless of what you think about it, he just became like, okay, the whole thing is profanity, right? So like, maybe you like profanity, maybe you don't. But to me, it took some of the teeth of the humor out of it because it was so reliant on trying to get a reaction by using a certain, like a certain word that's going to, you know, get a reaction. And it wasn't like the actual concept. It was, let me just find different ways to say this curse word. You know what I mean? And so I, that's an example where it's like, of course you have the freedom to do whatever when you're in that environment, but if constraining yourself to some degree might've actually made the content and the quality better. So that that's like, I'd say we covered a couple of their timing and then maybe like societal or cultural yeah. constraints within whatever organization you're in. Another one I wanted to ask you about, I don't remember if this is on the list or not, but what about like con- creative feedback mm. and constraint of the opinions of others that you're working with. Yeah. And the, the example I'm thinking of is we did a video for really good emails. And you, you remember we went through that process and the first, I think we did like five iterations for it. And the first, after the third, we felt like it was really good and probably got annoyed with the amount of feedback we got at some point. But I'd be curious from your perspective, do you think the final product ended up better as a result of, you know, the continual feedback and refining the refinement there, or like, do you think that that made it harder for you to create? Yeah, this is a perfect example because the creative constraint that they were putting on us was really related to two things. One was music, having like certain beats happen in a certain way. And then the other one was related to animation. And so with both of those, it's a, it's a perfect example of there being unlimited options to bring this and, and compare it to other ways that we can get creative and, and have these constraints is thinking about style. They wanted it to have a certain style. And mm-hmm. so that became a constraint in their feedback that allowed me to kind of narrow things down and, and make some selections. Yeah. And then the other thing was it was collaborative. Not only were they the ones that were the owners of this video and, and representing their event, but they wanted to see my creativity and they were trusting my creativity to play a part in it as well. And so mm-hmm. in, in some ways, like each of these are their own versions of a constraint that I think made that video better. Even though yeah. like some of those initial rounds were a little a bit of a struggle because you're trying to figure out like, oh, I thought this hit the mark and apparently it doesn't. Let's try to refactor this, but not just do like one or two tweaks. Let's try to think about it from a completely different angle. Uh, and that different right. angle was the creative constraint. Yeah. What about some of the more hard, you know, I don't know if you'd call them hard, but we've talked about like style, timing, you know, some of those things. What about things like 
a specific system or you even had, I think in the list, you had something about numbers. Yeah. Yeah. So numeric, I, if I come to this and I say, when we present our options to you, I'm actually going to have three options for you. That's, that's oh, how I see. it can be. I'm going to actually give you the choice of a few different logo options. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I've got, I've got two that are pretty good, but I've got to have a third. And I've honestly had mm -hmm. projects where my third or the last thing that you created has been the best one because you're forcing yourself to come up with something. One thing that we n almost never think about, but it's like an incredible constraint is the idea of play. And I didn't put this on the list, but it came to mind in, in the last thing we were talking about. If we say we're just going to play or we're going to do a test or we're going to kind of like mm -hmm. run through this for pretend, Right, like all of those are ways of doing something and creating this constraint that's actually saying this is not the real thing. And in doing so, we can kind of formulate and get prepared for the actual real thing. So a lot of those are very specific, very like, you know, on the nose, do this many, yeah. do it in this amount of time, use this style. What about swinging to the opposite side, like total randomness, Yeah, you know, yeah. where you, you don't know what it is that's going to be spit yeah. out at you, but you have to respond to it. This is one that actually came, helped me come up with this episode. Essentially randomness itself, like randomness can be a constraint. So you create a list of things and you say, whatever is picked, that is the thing that I'm going to do. Tell them about Scrim. Yeah. So I think we may have mentioned it before on here, but I've, I made a simple app. It's at scramble.land. And essentially, it's just that whole concept where you put in lists of things and then every week at a certain time, it will send you an email with that thing for that list. So the dinner that you're going to make this week on Thursday is X, you know, and it will just pick. So I, I think that can be another one. We just made a simple list in ClickUp that has, I think we're, we're working towards a larger number, but right now it's got like 70 something items in it that are content ideas. And it just selects one of those every single day and assigns it. So, you know, I think there's these powerful, even just the idea of randomness can be a powerful way to make sure that you're like, you're not just sitting down and trying to think of any idea off the top of your head. You've got a prompt and that prompt will help you get to the next step. I think that's something we should publish and make available to everyone. Yeah, like yeah. we should, once that list is a hundred or even at 70, we should just Put it on a page like you did with scramble.land and let people come to it and be told what yeah. what asset they need to create or what type of what type of content that you yeah i think I, th I do think it's it's a great point i think that constraint in our modern society is rare mm -hmm. you know so much of our parents generations and before that had like necessary constraint like you had to go to yeah. an office or you had to sit at a desk or you had to be limited with the budget or whatever. And so much of our society today is of excess that, you know, we don't struggle with some of those things. And so when we're able to be self-aware enough to put this constraint on us, it allows us to create better. It allows us to be more productive as a result. Yeah. If somebody was trying to think through how to actually implement some of these things. We've talked, we've given like a lot of different types of yeah. examples. How, how would you start to think about that? Obviously your medium itself is a constraint. And I think that there are things within that medium or media that will help you make further decisions. Cause, cause really at the end of the day, every decision you make is narrowing down into a more concrete thing that will get you to the end result. So with a podcast in particular, because we're on a podcast or with a video episodic show of some sort, 
you've got your niche, you've got these things that you can, you kind of know your audience is dialed into. But even within that, there can be segments and agreeing to do those segments or kind of the, the format of those segments. Those can be constraints that, that help you create something. If you think about it in general terms, you're going to say, I'm going to come up with a segment that helps me get to know my guests better, or, or I'm going to come up with a segment that helps me and the audience connect on a deeper level mm-hmm. or build trust. And so just make an arbitrary decision about one of those things and then see what comes up. Say if we're going to do 30 seconds or a minute of something, what could that be? And, and how could that look? Mm-hmm. Now, there's a show called Invest Like the Best. It's Patrick O'Shaughnessy. And he has a question at the end of every mm-hmm. episode, regardless of who he's asking or interviewing. And he asks, what's, what's the nicest thing someone's done for you? Yeah. And it's this very broad question. And the response is, I mean, it's the best part of the show. Yeah. Because the responses range from you know, a grandmother who raised somebody when their parents were unavailable or out of the picture to FTC chair coming to our company and helping us out with a startup and like giving us just random, crazy responses. And it has very little to do with investing really, uh, but it's the kind of the golden nugget yeah. of the show that he has, has you know, made a part of it because he just asks every single day. So in, in your life, Adam, do you have any constraints that you've kind of practiced or you put on yourself? Yeah. I mean, I was joking a little bit at the beginning, but I, I do think that our setup, I, I don't think if you were looking at it, you know, five yeah. and a half years ago and you were like, okay, how do you build a, a successful agency? Well, let's put one of the partners not living in the same city as the others. Let's do everything remotely, despite being a pretty small company. Like in my mind, if I was, if it was, if I had just complete reign over every decision, we'd all be working together in an office somewhere every single day. Just the energy that comes out of that, the ideas that come out of that. That's like what I would prefer, right? But that's just, yeah, the bad, seriously, the cultural stuff. Like when there's a pit, like last night, I, I had a meeting with new biz opportunity yesterday morning. Worked on their proposal last night. I woke up at 4.30 this morning to work on it more because I had meetings today and I really want to get it turned out. Like that would be more fun if we were all doing that and like ordered pizza. You know what I mean? Like just, yeah, I think that is a just reality and a constraint. I think we are completely self-funded. We've never had any outside money or investment, even like debt. And that's probably not smart from a business perspective. Like I think there's places to learn there. But that constraint has caused us to run a, you know, we have to be cash flow positive in order for us to exist. So we always have been. Things like that, I think even just the size of our company. We service, I don't know, over 30 companies a year and we have six people. So, you know, we punch quite a bit above our weight just by the number of people we have. So, I mean, there's flip sides to all of those things, right? All those things are advantages as well. But but if you ask constraints, I think those are some of the initial ones that have come to mind. Because I do think a lot of this is like, you're almost creating this artificial challenge. Like, do these things have to exist? Probably not. But by putting your brain in that, like in brain cuffs, it kind of just forces you to view it in a different light. There's a novel, I I can't remember, I'll have to find the name of it. It's a man in Russia and he's in house arrest. A gentleman in Moscow? Moscow, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's a great book. So do you know the constraint that's in that book, Adam? Yeah, I think he went against the Soviets, I guess. And then he gets put into a hotel. Right? Yeah, yeah. He's not allowed to leave the ground of the hotel. House arrest is a hotel. Well, the way that yeah. that author composed that book, he actually started with a timing constraint where 
this is like not in the way that we think of timing where it's a deadline, but he actually said, I'm going to tell this one day or maybe it was one hour. And then the next part is going to be two hours or it basically would double. So, and then it would be a day and then it would be two days. And then he basically went through telling the story all the way till 14 years and then reversed it and went all the way back in the way that he wrote. So that's an incredible constraint. Like you think about a novel and has so the narrative, yeah. like the chron- the chronology of the yeah, of the story starts with one day, two days, yeah. four days, eight days. Yeah. I, I read the book and it does go out, like you said, probably 14, 15 yeah. years. Um, but I didn't know that that was intentional. Yeah, and then he you reverses know, it so that you're like having this arc that feels like now we've watched all this time pass, and then it, but it ends with a very personal close up. Oh, that's in the cool. Moment. So I thought that was an interesting yeah. version of it where this author has like, he just decided that that would be an awesome way to tell a story. And so he put that mm-hmm. constraint on him, on, on himself at yeah. the very beginning. But another example is when Casey Neistat decided he was going to vlog yeah. every day. And I think he did it for like two and a half or three years. Wow. And he literally published a YouTube video every single day, which. Yeah. I don't, we, we couldn't do one of these every single day for that many years. I mean, really, I can't fathom the work that went into that when you talk about the heavy constraint, but it's interesting. I mean, it's like he, you, you hear him talk now. I heard him on an interview not long ago and he was saying how that two and a half or three years was pretty terrible (laughs) and he did not enjoy it, but he literally doesn't work now. And it's not because he's sick of work necessarily or but it's like he just did that had such an impact on his career and he still gets millions of views every every month on youtube and so then he gets paid you know an extraordinary amount of money and so now he's just sort of taking a sabbatical for several years and i think it's interesting to see the other side of that of the the heavy constraint and then sort of the you know the release afterward just overview we talked about Really just the idea of constraints, and we've talked about time, format, topic, method. I, I think some of those are similar to each other. Stylistic constraints, collaborative, so working with other people, having challenges for yourself, having numeric constraints, systematic constraints, which I guess all of these are kind of systematic, and then having, having, using randomness. So within your content, I would, I would challenge everyone here, think of, of just some arbitrary constraint. Or if you're struggling to come up with ideas, maybe even just take a minute to not look at inspiration. I think sometimes we start there and say, for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to write. And that's my constraint. I'm going to write without any, without looking towards anything or or trying to even find somebody else who's done it like how I want to do it. But just saying for the next independent 20 minutes, I'm going to focus on doing everything myself, writing everything myself. That's another example of just something that you can do to start your creative gears turning. Yeah. And I would dumb it down even further. Like if you're like, I don't know what the constraint should be, make something for the next 30 days. We've, we've done this Mm -hmm. a few times on this show. We've done it with our blog. We've done it across a a few areas of our business, but it could also be a sales thing. Make a new sales inquiry for, for 30 days, but whatever your action is, whatever your creative output is, do it every single day for the next 30 days. I'm talking every single day, Saturday, Sunday, like, you know, the whole thing. And I think that will change the way that you think about creation and it'll just also form a pretty solid habit as well. Yeah, that's great, man. I think that's it for me. If you, if you don't have anything else, we could, do you want to try to do our tweet of the week? 
Yeah, go ahead. I have to pull it up here. Yeah, so this one's a little bit about business. So this is Theo Ohin or Ohin. It just really caught me that that this is such a, a dead simple business technique. But he said Tinder, Slack, and Spotify all have this one thing in common. And it's a high free to paid conversion rate. So here's five dead simple tips. That's the thread. Forgive me. Five dead simple tips to convert more users to customers. It's almost less about the thread because he does have some good, you know, numbers in here. He talks about it being a good conversion rate is two to 5%. So it kind of sets some expectations, but he just basically is talking about like limiting some of the freemium features and then also having a timely offer to upgrade. Like it comes right when they need it. And then the last one, which I thought was interesting was like, stop just hounding people to upgrade all the time or don't make it so, Mm. it's like the opposite, right? Don't make it so annoying to use the free product that people just don't like the product at all. Like you can use Spotify and, and use it with most of its features but there's a point where if you want to be like a long-term user of it, or if you want to have everything there and, and not be bugged by ads, that, that you're going to naturally go to that upgrade. So yeah. anyways, I just thought it was a clever treat, a tweet talking about product and how you can kind of capture people with that freemium model and then ease them into more of a paid option. Yeah, that's great. It was, it was a tweet treat. Yeah. Yep. That's what it was. Tweet Thank treat. Thank you. Listen, it's the end of summer. Next week is Labor Day. It, we got a few few more weeks of the sunshine down here in the South, at least. So our good friend, Mickey Cloud, friend of the show, former guest, he had this tweet on Saturday that I just, I don't know why it resonated with me, but I think it'll send people off into the Labor Day weekend well. He said, today, the lovely missus and I took the kids, one for donuts, two to the car wash, three to dad's office, four to the recycling center, five to the grocery store, six homemade lunch. While she, his wife, takes a deserved nap with our two and four-year-old, I mowed the lawn and we have now earned this upcoming pool time. I don't know why I was like, that tweet made me nostalgic for right now. That doesn't even make sense as an oxymoron, but it was a good reminder for me to take advantage of kind of these last few weeks of summer and just enjoy some of the normal things. So hopefully if you're listening to this, you've got some good Labor Day plans and we'll be able to enjoy them as well. And we'll see you next time. Bye.